You're listening to The Plan Podcast, episode number 37. Would you invite me into your closet right now, or does the idea of showing it off bring up some sort of emotions? (laughs) All of the clothes and shoes I own fit easily into a one-door wardrobe that is quite literally the size of a broom cupboard, and if you had told me this a few years ago, I would have absolutely laughed you out of the room. But the truth is that I have never been so satisfied with the clothes that I own. Getting dressed is fast and pretty simple and not really stressful. The clothes I own fit me and make me feel pretty confident. I waste far less time worrying about what to wear, shopping for new things, caring for or organizing the clothes that I own. But getting to this point has really been quite a journey. And today I'll share it with you and walk you through some of the methods for creating a minimalist wardrobe of your very own. Thanks for tuning in to The Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic, an episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning. So this journey for me began a few years ago. We were still living in Madison, Wisconsin, and some Danish friends of ours were road tripping across the U.S. And as they passed through Madison, they stopped at our house. And we were giving them, you know, the typical little tour around the house. And they sheepishly asked if they could peek inside our big American closet. And what happened next set me on a path toward minimalism. And I guess in in some ways, perhaps is how we found ourselves now living in Denmark, something that we never would have been able to do if we hadn't figured out how to downsize what we owned and live more simply. So anyway, as they requested, I took them into the large walk-in closet in our master bedroom, and their oohs and ahs, the reaction was hilarious. But what I remember the most is this sense of shame I felt as I stood there looking at my packed closet. Hangers that are pressed so tightly together that you could hardly move things around, sweaters stacked 10 high across the shelves, more shoes than I could ever possibly wear crammed into an organizer on the back of the door. And in that moment, I remember making a very conscious split-second decision to make sure that they did not find out about the closet in the guest bedroom that looked more or less the same. So over the next five years, I took a long, hard look at my relationship with stuff and started downsizing dramatically. The accumulation of stuff, um, I think, was just something that at one point it made me feel good. It was comforting. In some ways, it felt like a marker of success. And I think a big part of this was also that it was a social expectation. Like we had the four-bedroom house with three bathrooms in the suburbs, and the next step was obviously to fill it up with stuff or or babies, <laughs> but we filled it up with stuff and dogs. <laughs> so even if that meant ending up with way more stuff than two people could ever possibly need, we did it. In 2017, we started the process of downsizing, and we went from that 2,200-square-foot house in Madison to a 1,000-square-foot loft in downtown Minneapolis. And then 10 months later, we downsized further, putting nine boxes onto an airplane to Denmark and unpacking them in a 750-square-foot flat with literally no closets. So 
You can go all the way back to episode eight of the Plan Podcast to hear more about the process of downsizing our entire household and what that experience was like for us if you want to. But the tiny one-door wardrobe that now houses my clothing and my shoes and my jackets is roughly one fifteenth or something, roughly, the size of that walk-in closet I had in Wisconsin. And that's not even counting that guest bedroom closet, which once again, we're going to just not talk about. (laughs) And yet I have never found it easier or more enjoyable to get dressed. Finally, understanding the concept of curating a wardrobe has been life-changing for me, my confidence, and my budget, not to mention our mobility. Because like I said, we could have never really just made the decision to pack up and move across the world so easily if we had 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 so much stuff still. And since I know that this is not a rare struggle, this is something that so many of us struggle with, largely due to today's fast fashion industry and consumer culture, I thought it would be fun to just do an episode and share with you a few of the methods that have helped me, like things that I have found really powerful to make these shifts. The first thing is understanding that the more stuff you own, the more energy it takes up. So this is the idea that when you buy stuff and you bring it into your home, it's not only taking up physical space, but it's taking up emotional and mental space as well. And you need to trust me on this one, especially when it comes to your clothes. You're going to end up doing more laundry, spending more time folding them and putting them away. And anytime you want to clean your closet or reorganize or switch things out for the season, it's going to take you longer to sort through it all and then to figure out how to donate it or sell it. You are literally going to waste hours of your life sorting through and organizing excessive clothing. So This goes with your entire house as well. The more stuff you own, the more time you spend keeping it clean, you know, dusting it, organizing it, moving it around, putting the kids' toys away, taking care of it. So less stuff quite literally equals less stress and more mental bandwidth. So keep that in mind every time you think about bringing something into your home. Next up is what I call the 4.0 method, and I think that I originally learned about this on the Young House Love podcast like years ago, and it was just really eye-opening for me, and I've used it ever since. But what you do here is just think of your wardrobe as having a GPA, a grade point average, and that's that scale we used in school that went from like zero or one to 4.0. And you want to maintain a perfect 4.0, right? That's like the expectation or ideal. So a clothing item that is going to be a perfect 4.0 means that it's the right size and it's a flattering fit and also that you like love it and feel great and confident when you put it on. So when you're sorting through your clothes or going shopping to buy something new, take a minute and assess it and give it a rating between 1 and 4.0. So is buying that 3.5 sweater worth it if it's going to drag down the GPA of your entire wardrobe? Or would it be better to wait and kind of put it off until you find a sweater that is actually a 4.0 or at least closer? This has helped me stop doing so much impulse shopping and especially like online impulse shopping because sometimes I can tell just from the picture or the way it fits the model that it might be cute, but it's not going to be a 4.0. So it's really helped kind of draw back on doing some of that impulse shopping. And then this has also made it much more enjoyable for me to shop because it has become so easy for me to say no and to know what I need and what I don't. This also makes it easy to know when to get rid of something. So if it's no longer in style, no longer fits right, or for any reason makes you feel self-conscious or uncomfortable when you put it on, it's probably not a 4.0 anymore and is therefore dragging down your wardrobe's entire GPA. So time to part ways with it. And I really encourage you to give this method a try because it's been 
just such a mindset shift for me. And the best part is that once you get good at it, it's kind of like a muscle, you know, so like the more you exercise it and do it, the better you'll get at it and the more comfortable you'll get with parting with stuff and saying no to stuff. But once you get good at it, you can use this method for decluttering anything. So books, kitchen gadgets, kids toys, any collection of stuff that's currently cluttering up your house. Think of it as having a 4.0 GPA and cut out the things that are dragging down that average. The process of wanting to live a more minimalist and simple life actually had a really interesting impact on my business as well. In particular, I guess, is the side of online businesses that tend to be more focused on influencing or affiliate marketing. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So much of that is driven by consumerism and making people feel like they need to buy more. You might notice that I don't post sponsored posts on my Instagram feed or on my blog, and that's because I truly want all of us to be more intentional about the things we purchase. So instead of doing sponsored posts, I created a website called whatdanielikes.com. You can head to that website to browse the items that I have loved and used for years in my everyday life. The exact skincare routine I've been using since 2013, it's on there. My all-time favorite jeans, there's a link to them. All the services that I use for my business are also on there. You'll find my favorite luggage for traveling light, the items I use for digital planning, even Walter has rounded up a few of his favorite things. But best of all, the commissions that I earn through sales of the items on that page helps raise money for my giving back program, which is a monthly donation that goes directly to people in need to help them pay their bills and cover their expenses. That's the kind of influence I'm about, and I hope that you'll help support me in this movement. You can find all my favorite things over at whatdanielikes.com. The next tip is to consider the long-term investment. So think of this as the cost per wear, CPW. I'm going to walk you through an example to demonstrate kind of what this looks like. But let's say that you buy a simple white t-shirt at Target, right? Like an undershirt. And it's $12. But you only wear it four times before it kind of waffles in the wash and starts to fit you a bit weird. And then you just never wear it again. Or it ends up like tossed in the bottom of your pajama drawer. Your cost per wear is $3, right? 12 divided by four, $3 per wear. But let's say instead you invest in a basic white tee for somewhere like Everlane. The shirt's going to probably cost you around $30, but you'll wear it at least twice a month. So that's 24 times a year and you'll keep it for five years. The cost per wear is only 25 cents. So 30 divided by 120 wears. So while buying more expensive items can mean more costs initially, the amount you spend over your lifetime can actually be reduced dramatically if you invest in quality over quantity. But remember that this also doesn't mean you have to buy more expensive things. This can also be motivation for you to take better care of your clothes so that you get more wear out of them. So when you purchase something, whether it costs $10 or $50, think about how many times you need to wear that item in order to get a CPW cost per wear that you'd be happy with. If it doesn't seem likely that you'll reach that before it is out of style, doesn't fit, or starts to fall apart, it's probably not a good investment. So cost per wear. My final tip for today is sort of a motto that has really helped me, and it goes, you can wear your favorite outfit every day if you only own your favorite outfits. Of course, we all need a good pair of Netflix sweats, but for the most part, why do I want to spend money or give closet space to an outfit that makes me feel frumpy or self-conscious, even if I'm just sitting at home in it? Once I committed to stop buying clothes I didn't love, I found that I loved each piece I owned even more, which meant that I never had to settle for an outfit that made me feel bad about myself. Getting dressed becomes much more fun when you genuinely love and feel good in each piece of clothing you own. That doesn't mean that they need to be fancy or expensive or even stylish. It just needs to be something that you feel good in. So I'm going to end this episode 
by telling you something I have never disclosed publicly before. And I think it's sort of funny and maybe a tad extreme, but it might give you some ideas on how you can implement something similar in your life. But when I was downsizing my closet, one thing I noticed was that the things taking up the most space were things like pajamas, comfy stuff like sweatpants and sweatshirts and workout clothes and like all of these old t-shirts I had from high school and college. And to be honest, most of them were gross. Like most of the t-shirts from high school, <laughs> sweatpants that I'd been wearing since college. And it was stuff that I would throw in at home and, you know, it was comfortable, but I didn't feel good in any of it. Even if some of it had nostalgia, which for me is not an issue, but I kept things that were like sentimentally important. But for the most part, I got rid of all of it. And what used to take up at least two drawers now consists of one pair of pajamas, a nice pair, a pair that is comfortable and breathable and that I feel good putting on and wearing. So I have one pair of pajamas for warm weather and one for cold weather. So technically I have two and I just swap them out seasonally. And then I have one pair of sweats for lounging around the house in and like watching Netflix, watching movies. And not only are they comfortable, but they're also a little bit stylish. So it's not like I don't feel comfortable like if I need to pop out of the house and run to the store or take Walter for a quick walk in them. They're comfortable, but also functional. I did that and then got just a few sets of workout clothes that I can cycle through. And upgrading just those basic necessities to pieces that I really love and enjoy wearing was probably one of the most impactful things I did to decrease the volume of my closet which just made it so much more manageable and easier to organize. And so I highly recommend this if you are still like the type of person that has a drawer of 20-year-old t-shirts. So as always, let's recap these quickly so they are fresh in your mind. My four tips to help minimize your wardrobe are, one, understanding that more stuff equals more stress. Clearing space from your closet also clears space from your mind, and that is so worth it. The 4.0 method. Think of your closet as having a grade point average. When you are deciding what to keep or what to buy, give it a rating and aim for a perfect 4.0. Three, calculate the cost per wear and consider the long-term investment. Some items might cost more upfront but last longer, resulting in a lower cost per wear. Those items are a better investment. And then finally, remember that you can wear your favorite outfit every single day if you only own your favorite outfits. Getting dressed is so much more about confidence and feeling good in what you put on. So don't settle for things that make you feel self-conscious. Upgrade things like your pajamas or loungewear to sets that you really love and feel great in. Hopefully, after listening to this episode, you are thinking how good it would feel to curate your wardrobe down to the things that you just love and need. The arrival of spring always gets me in that nesting mood and makes me want to reorganize all of my closets and drawers. So if you're feeling that energy, I want to invite you to check out the workbook that I created called The Minimalist Wardrobe. Rather than feeling stressed and overwhelmed by the idea of cleaning out your closet, my workbook will take things page by page or step by step and show you exactly what you need to do. We'll start by cleaning out your closet, but I promise that I make it sort of fun. I'll teach you how to determine what items to keep, what to donate, what to sell, but I won't stop there. The workbook will also help you determine what types of clothes you actually need for the life you live, help you define your personal style so that you buy clothes that look and feel good, and help you find any gaps in your current wardrobe so that you have a clear plan for what items you might need to purchase to round out your new minimalist wardrobe. Plus, I will also teach you everything that you need to know about the best ways to ethically donate your items. That means not just dumping it all at Goodwill. So I have lots of tips for how to ethically donate. And then I'll teach you the exact method I have used for years to sell all of my clothes online to make a profit. 
If that interests you, head over to learnfromdanny.com and click on the minimalist wardrobe to learn more. I'd love to help you love your closet as much as I love mine. It truly is just such a feeling of freedom, which I realize sounds a bit bizarre, but I think we underestimate how much of our energy just gets sucked up by owning too much stuff. And it really is just such a burden lifted when you reduce what you own. So as always, I will be back here two weeks from today with a new episode. You can find all past episodes as well as the show notes over at planpodcast.com. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.